0: Blog Talk Radio. Firefly Willows Live presents the Amethyst Oracle, divination with a queer twist, featuring your hosts, Heisey Lutmers and Charlie Harrington.
1: The Amethyst, the Amethyst Oracle, Oracle. delves into life. Death and everything betwixt, between the and twixt. beyond. Between and, twi-
2: beyond. Twi-
3: between, between and beyond. Between and
2: beyond. With a queer twist.
1: The Amethyst, the Amethyst Oracle. Oracle. Divination, Divination with a queer twist. And now,
3: here are your hosts, your host, hosts Charlie, Charlie Harrington, Harrington and Heisei
2: Lumberlumber.
1: And Welcome to the show. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> little technical delay moment there. Uh, as you heard, you're listening to The Amethyst Oracle. My name is C, and I am joined by my co-host, Charlie Harrington. And just to give you a little housekeeping, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theamethystoracle. Uh, You can find the Firefly Willows live website at fireflywillows.com slash live or on Facebook at facebook.com slash fireflywillows. And I will remind you that Charlie and I will be offering live readings uh, in the latter portion of the show. So if you would like to get into the queue in order to uh, be a part of that, to get a reading from us, then we would be more than happy to have you join us. And you can do that by either Skyping in from the show page. It's right there above the player, the little Skype button. Or you can call 646-716-5510. And that's to get into the queue for a reading. We'd always be happy to have you like our Facebook page. Feel free to send us comments, questions, suggestions, If there are things that we do in the show where you try out a process or you pull a card for something or you have an additional insight into what the card might mean that has come up then feel free to leave that in the conversation on our Facebook page and we would be happy to have you join us. Um, If you would like to email us you can do so at the Amethyst at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at the Big Amethyst O. So you're welcome to follow us there as well. So um, what we're going to be sharing with you tonight, we're very excited about our guest, Rodney C. He's going to be talking about his And so hopefully that will give you both a simple and a more complex way that you can think about approaching it. It's totally up to you. Um, That is something to help you start to bring growth, new growth, birth, sprout into being the things that you would like to see starting to grow and become fruitful and abundant in your life in the coming season, and the coming year. We'll also, of course, have our regular um, uh, Living the Queer Life segment, which offers you the chance to um, hear what card we pull to see how we can best live as fully and completely as possible our queer selves. Queer, of course, not meaning something about sexual orientation, but queer meaning something that simply steps outside of the bounds of what is considered the norm or the usual, or the things that we are told we're supposed to live within, the limitations and the ways that we're supposed to be in order to be accepted. Um, and so we always try to, with this show as well as that segment, kind of push beyond those things so that we allow ourselves to be our true selves rather than our, a, a conformed aspect of ourselves. So, having said all of that, now that we have been able to get everything connected here tonight, I'm going to welcome my co-host Charlie Harrington. Hello, welcome, hi, Charlie. Charlie. Hello. <laughs> and thank
4: you for that. <laughs> it's been a bit of a journey connecting. Thank you, Skype. <laughs>
1: so. It is true. If, if you heard a little bit of in and out, sorry about that. I think
4: even I got disconnected momentarily and then reconnected. So. Seems we're all connected. I'm always up for a little in and out, and by that I mean (laughs) the hamburgers. So, (laughs) I meant nothing besides hamburgers. So, anyway, how have you been? I have been well. I just
1: returned from a trip to,
4: well, Raleigh,
1: North Carolina, but mostly Charleston, South Carolina. And I have to say, I'd never been there before. It was a very charming city kind of seduces you, makes you want to live there when you go there. It's one of the oldest mm-hmm. cities in America and the Southern architecture, yeah, the architecture is really, really pretty and the houses there are really, really cool.
4: So um, mm-hmm.
1: it was a, a very, very nice trip, I must say.
4: That's interesting. I was just in Austin, Texas for South by Southwest. So we both went south of the border. It's true. Discover something. I don't know what we found. I'm envious.
1: But. <laughs> I, I think South by Southwest would be totally fun. Did you have a good time there?
4: It, it was interesting. It was very cool. There's a lot, of, a lot of podcast stuff going on at South by Southwest, and a lot of it's available, but um, none of it's very spiritual. <laughs> I couldn't meet anybody. No one was talking about their spirit animals or reincarnation or anything, so um, I guess we're still niche. <laughs> no, like we're just we're teenage.
1: just ahead of the trend. We're just a,
4: a uh, far ahead. Anyway, but did it's you, uh, did you it's lovely there. A
2: uh,
4: no, I uh, although there's music everywhere, but I had great barbecue, so it all it all equaled out. So, um, and I'm very excited for this time of the year. Spring is my favorite season. It's uh, I was a spring baby, of course, so maybe that has something to do with it. But I think it's a wonderful, wonderful time when all of the, the newness that we imagined when it was cold at the uh, winter solstice is really actually coming into full bloom, as it were, at this time <laughs> of the year. And it's a perfect time to check in with tarot.
1: It is. And speaking of spring, as I mentioned in the little introduction period, um, we were going to offer people a little bit of spring magic that they can do, Um, kind of geared around starting at, well, we have the full moon coming on the 16th, and then just right after that, like the 20th, 21st, I had to look at the exact date, but is spring equinox. So that would really be the time um, that I think we would consider starting this, Mm -hmm. with the simple version being something that you can do within the three months between spring equinox and summer solstice, or a slightly more involved version would be doing something once a month over the next three months between spring equinox and summer solstice. Um, So you could maybe time it to the full moon, since the full moon is so close to the spring equinox uh, that you might think about doing it every full moon um, leading up to the summer solstice, or the new moon, if it's something that you're really trying to initiate, however you decide you want to do that. Um, so shall we jump into that and start to give them a little idea of what it is that we would like to give them for some free magic
4: Um, so this is a bit of um, mandala magic It's uh, your very good friend and mine, Carrie Paris does a lot of work with oracle systems and creating beautiful mandalas and so I think in, in the spirit of that um, you and I were talking about something people can do. And when people think of magic or ritual, it seems like something you need like an initiation or a letter from Hogwarts to be able to do. But this is very simple. And <laughs> but I have both of those things. Right on. <laughs> well, you're one of the advanced students, I see. But for the, um, This is something that you can do. You can add as much to it as you like. And it's just going to help you enter into the spirit of spring and the regeneration that's going on around you all you absolutely need is a tarot deck to do it but uh if you're a listener of this show you probably have a flair for some nice aesthetics so you'll want to you want to make that a bit a bit more more fancy so um
1: i li- i like to think of ha- adding the other things it's kind of like a meal
4: you know mm-hmm. sure
1: you could you could sit down and just have
4: you know your boiled potatoes
1: boiled <laughs> potato or Uh your steak if you're not vegetarian or Uh your you know tofu salad Mm
2: -hmm. but
1: if you have that tofu salad with a side of something Mm
0: -hmm. um you know
1: maybe you have a salad maybe you have some soup to start maybe you have a little dessert afterwards it's a more well-rounded satisfying fully comprehensive meal
4: Yes, it's so important to fill all the senses up with the spirit of what the, the spiritual work that you're doing, I think. And when people create altars, when people create mandalas, you're filling your personal space and your your ritual space or your meditative space up with the essence of what you're trying to accomplish. And it's going to make it much more uh, easy, much easier to do and much more satisfying. So with that in mind, for spring... All of the items, the objects, the uh, talismans or tokens are things that kind of uh, have to do with the primal nature of spring. So you're going to want some lighting is key for anything I see. If it's a themed brunch or a tarot mandala, lighting is key. So uh, no no fluorescent. You're going to want candles. For this, green candles would be choice. Green, also people uh, associate spring equinox with purple and yellow. That tends to be the, what, the first flowers of spring that you see. You're going to want to engage the sense of smell. It's, it's, some say it's the most powerful scent, and it's the scent most connected with memory, according to Tom Robbins, a uh, novelist. So um, <laughs> you're going, you, can ha- you can do this in a couple of ways. You can get an incense like a stick or cone or a powdered incense. You could just buy fresh flowers. You could use a, an aromatherapy diffuser with some water and some essential oil to gently um, waft the desired scent. Um, I picked out for this one uh, Narcissus and Hyacinth, uh, both because they're spring flowers, but also because mythically uh, they both are connected to some iconic queer beings, um, Hyacinthus, the lover of Apollo, or Narcissus, the man who fell in love with his own reflection, and who doesn't, you know, from time to time. It's (laughs) hard for me to get out to work in the morning some days. Uh, I haven't (laughs) forgot the ladies uh, from the poetry of Sappho who wrote about Aphrodite and her emergence at springtime. She very... Uh, clearly uh, references roses, the bloom of Aphrodite, and fennel. And fennel also comes up as a, a, um, an herb associated with uh, Dionysus. So having these florals and uh, herbs in, uh, in your ritual space in herb form, or if, if it's just a scent, will help you. We're also going to use crystals. Some people use crystals um, with tarot mandalas to activate um, the different points established by tarot cards in the mandala in front of them. I typically see them... This is, I don't know how this is going to... This might sound crazy. But uh, if your card that you set down ha- depicts a particular energy you want to work with, let's say it's the empress, and that's that fertile nurturing time of spring I see the um if I place a crystal on top of that empress I'm using that crystal as kind of like a lens or a portal or a gateway to bring the energy of that card up through it um you could use clear quartz but if you want to really you know show off uh different crystals you might have different elemental associations for example um in the east part of this mandala, I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's where I belong, uh, There, which is associated maybe most commonly with air, the element of air. I think that great stones would be fluorite, it's a very pretty purple-green stone, and fluorite uh, helps the mind become orderly, and it helps clear the mind, but not leave it blank. It helps you sort of find and balance sort of mental energies. Uh, citrine. Um, Citrine famously transmutes negative energy and negative thoughts into um, not just positive, but productive thoughts. And uh, yellow jasper, which has uh, sort of earth healing qualities, that, uh, but for the mind. So you might put those or another stone that you feel uh, appeals to you um, over the card in the eastern part of the mandala. I'm way out of myself. Um, in the, across from it in the west, associated with water, I would uh, place maybe Beryl, which is a stone associated with dreams and dream healing, Uh, Blue Lace Agate, which is another sort of watery stone, or Aqua Aura Quartz. Aqua Aura, um, it's a chemical combination of clear quartz and gold. Uh, it creates a beautiful blue stone, and it's uh, associated with speaking truths, which I find to be very healing in the Western realm. At the, in the southern point, I don't know why I went in this order, but in the southern point of the mandala, we have fire. You can see some red stones, probably. Uh, carnelian is that courage stone. It's that, that passion of the wand's suit and the courage to stand up for yourself and, you know, activate your dream and live your, um, live your potential, which is what the ritual is about. Uh, Garnet, to harness that sort of primal root chakra base sexy energy. Uh, I don't know if that's, um, and Tiger's Eye. Tiger's Eye is a lot of people's self-esteem stone. And I thought that at this time, the primal, uh, primal energy, I thought of the Princess of Wands with her tiger sometimes. Um, it's that sort of that, uh, the, the awakened beast energy that we're talking about. The spring is all about that awakening. And in the north, the grounding earth energies of hematite, which is often magnetic and it's very, very grounding and helps you bring your dreams into manifestation um bloodstone which heals things in the physical realm of healing is any part of what what you're uh, trying to accomplish and then um also malachite is a sort of earthy healing feel-good stone that you might consider for your mandala so you have these extraneous extra pieces you have scent you have yeah you have touch, you're working with the vibrations of these crystals, what are you going to do? You're going to take your tarot deck. You're going to separate it into the suits. So you'll have your swords, you'll have your wands, you'll have your pentacles, you'll have your cups, and you'll have your major arcana. And you're going to pull one card from each of the minor suits for each of the directional points of your mandala. So if you imagine uh, your, your space before you, you're going to want a pentacle suit in whatever represents the north. If, you, if that's just straight up or if you want to align your mandala to where north is in your particular space, you, um, you would put the pentacles card there. You would put the, I'm actually going in order this time, in the clockwise, going clockwise from there, the eastern, you're going to put the swords card representing the air element um, keeping clockwise. In the south, you're going to put the wands card. And um, in the west, you'll put the cups card. And in the center of your mandala, you're going to place a major arcana card. Now, my recommendation, I'd like your take on this high C. I recommend that this be done with intention and that you pre-select a major arcana card to represent what you're hoping to manifest. Do you think that I'm just wimping out because I don't want to get the the tower and that you should draw that card at random
1: <laughs> well no I think that for the center card it's 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 particularly important to choose the card that you feel best represents that archetypal spring energy and so I think something like the empress card is perfect for that you know I think there's a couple of others to me it might depend on what it is you're trying to do because we call this technique the spring to life technique. You know, so it's what we're trying to spring to life, to bring to life, that's right, I think so Mm -hmm. too, to birth into being the same way that the new plants and new life around us is coming into Mm -hmm. being at this time of year. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think the Empress card is great because that's all about what's been gestating that is now ready to be birthed Mm -hmm. and brought into being. You could Mm -hmm. have something that maybe has already kind of started, there you might do the Chariot card because this is Mm -hmm. about trying to speed up or heat up the energies as the weather is getting warmer, the sun is getting stronger, so you want to kind of generate the energy behind something to really get it moving forward at this time of
2: year.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, The star card, perhaps, you could do, because it would be
4: about
1: bringing to life some hope or wish that you have that you want to see manifest or fulfilled in some way. Um, The world card, maybe, you Mm -hmm. could do because uh, you want to start bringing something to life that will be able to come to full completion and full fruition yeah. throughout the cycle of the year or whatever time cycle you're looking at. you know. So I think that consciously drawing a card rather than randomly drawing a card is important and trying to really find that card that represents the kind of energy that you feel is needed for something that you're trying to give birth to, bring into being, you know, push out from beneath the earth into the world at this point.
4: Mm, absolutely, and um, it should be the thing you're calling into this space. So, let's say you're. Um, this should not be rep- a symbol to represent what you're trying to overcome. You know, or right. or or something like. A, a lot of I think a lot of. Tell people this, if they this, intellectualize this te- too much. Yeah. Well, yeah. This
1: technique is not so much about how to overcome the obstacles. Yeah, It's more about how to push this up, just like the, the sprouts are starting to come up through the earth. How mm-hmm. are we pushing it up and out so that it can mm-hmm. start its process of mm-hmm. coming into being and growing in the world? There's other things to do along the way that mm-hmm. can be about overcoming or removing obstacles, dealing with problems that come up, etc. but this particular technique you want to stay really kind of focused in your intention and the cards you choose with what is it that i envision how that energy for bringing into being, for giving birth mm-hmm.
4: to. And um, so for this for this puppy, i am going to play as so i've placed in front of me the Empress card, um, my ch- uh, what, to represent what I'm bringing in from for the spring, and I get into a med- meditative state. You <laughs> get into a meditative state. <laughs> to your best of your ability. You know, just try. Uh, turn on some Paco Bell or whatever it is you need to do. And with your piles of tarot cards, your candles lit, and your scents going, and yourself open to the possibility of spring, I would just sort of ask the universe or the tarot or your whomever to make you aware of the energies you can make use of at this time to allow the energy of this central card, the Empress card, to fully manifest for the greatest and highest good in your life. And so... You might then turn over. You get to decide where. I'm going to start in the East because I think things start with ideas and also to get the swords out of the way. And I'm using my Shadowscapes Tarot because it's very spring. Aha, okay, thank goodness. It's the King of Swords. And so, because this is a meditative technique, um, it's rather than sitting down with your journal and intellectualizing what this means or looking up meanings or even trying too hard. Just sort of acknowledge that the King of Swords has made his way into this reading and sit with that and see what is suggested to you by this card. Um, i It's good to have a plan is something I'm getting from this particular pairing of Empress because you're, remember the empress is in the center, so it's not just that you're dealing with the king of swords. How does the king of swords assist in the empress? So if that if you're thinking of her as fertility, um, then he is the sense of uh, of self that says to plan the field, um, you know, get them get have everything you need to, for planting. Uh, know I, what I, it is you want.
1: And I I might also suggest that because it's a court card coming up, Mm -hmm. it could also mean that either either you need to be the king of swords, but it might also mean that for the planning and for the idea of how to best go about executing or doing this or bringing it into being, you might be seeking out someone else who Mm -hmm. is... Um, an authority who has experience and knowledge in doing this that can give you some suggestions or tips or advice in some way. Um, You know, so so when you're thinking about the planning of it uh, and wanting to maybe run your ideas by someone about what you're thinking of doing, this may suggest that that part of this process is going to be uh, benefiting by reaching out Mm -hmm. to someone in some mm-hmm. way that would be represented by would be a very king of swords type of
4: person. Mm. And um, don't laugh, but I pulled the southern card and it's the king of wands. So <laughs> this is becoming very specific all of a sudden. But, well, if, this uh, was,
1: if, if you're doing this for yourself, then to me, mm-hmm. this would start to say what it is that you're trying to bring into being, whatever that intention, that wish, that thing that you're focusing on is something that is not going to be done on your own. It's something that's going to either involve other people in order to get it done or is going to impact other people. So you want to be thinking about how it impacts and affects and how you can work it with other people rather than it just being your
4: thing. Yes. And in the West, not the King of Cups, I know you're shocked, it's the uh, <laughs> Six of Cups came up and that told me that the emotional aspect of what's coming through this spring is light and playful and childlike. And so, to the best of my ability, access those emotions, that side of myself. Um, as, and that will, you know, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, according to Mary Poppins. So, um, it's, it's about, at this time, you know, for, for the allotted time, for this, the, the emergence of spring, kind of opening to that, the brightness And the sweetness, and um, there's definitely uh, the six of cups often shows people relating to one another. So you've got all these kings in your life, my life, and uh, well, and again, yeah, because
1: for me, six of cups one can indicate unequal um, pairings or relationships, Mm -hmm. like like mentor student or parent child. Mm -hmm. So again, those kings seem to come into play. That there seems to be something very. Um, significant or very particular coming out for this reading that you're doing, that Mm -hmm. someone else who is in a position of authority or even literally a father figure um, or someone who has experience and knowledge in what it is that you're trying to do is someone to turn to, to look to, to ask for, because they will have something to offer you that will benefit the process and probably help either move it along more quickly or make sure that it is more uh, viable and able to come to full fruition in some way. Mm-hmm.
4: And since this card showed up in the West, it's just telling us that that, that part of this interaction it's sort of the, this is the emotional state to look for or to try, maybe try and achieve in dealing yeah. with these people. So
1: well, and there you have that nostalgia aspect or the childhood aspect. So maybe emotionally there's something from your past that you remember making you happy
2: mm-hmm.
1: or that really offered or or brought you something that still sticks with you in a significant way that mm-hmm. is going to inform or play into how you bring this into being, how you want to envision it so that you move it in the right direction um, because you want to maybe try to recapture something that taps back into
4: what has made you happy or satisfied previously. Mm. And the final card in the north, representing Earth, is the Nine of Pentacles, which is a wonderful card to have as a culmination to this spread. And it sort of suggests to me that um, see your vision through, see it manifest this spring. This is the spring to... Achieve this this is the spring and to be protective of of your goals the um to, to see uh, protective of i feel like there's a protective quality of the nine of uh, of anything actually but the nine of uh pentacles specifically like that sort of walled garden here we have a lovely woman playing piano in the forest and um so again looking at the you looking at the, the the set of images but this is not just a tarot reading that you do and you you know write it down and think about it for a minute and go away. No, this is this is a this med- you're going to enter into a meditative state with this, and I actually recommend leaving it. Maybe use a deck that you can you know you're not going to want to use every single day, and leaving it and with the objects, with the crystals, with the candles, with the herbs, um, and adding to it, adding to it little by little. Maybe as sp- the flowers of spring in your area emerge, if you're in the northern hemisphere. Um, adding them to the space, uh, just and returning to it each day and trying to look at it with fresh eyes and see you can you could pull more cards, but I feel like returning to the core five that are laid out will be of use and that will help you to um, grow this and have this this intention come through on the first day, it might just be regarding it discerning meanings but then for each uh maybe the next time you sit down with it you're going to give yourself an action item to do between now and june 21st so uh i'm just let's pull one so um the for that six of cups between now and june 21st i'm going to go to some place i loved when i was a kid you know and to to have a nice emotional experience like uh you know uh um, the king of swords I will read all of my emails so you know whatever <laughs> uh, and sort of add to that you can take the element, some of the elements with you if you want to make a little mojo bag um, you could use the cloth that these are spread out on if you did spread these out on a cloth to join it uh, with some string and it can contain the herbs and crystals maybe a bit of wax from some of the candles uh, maybe a little Small scroll of parchment with the an intention or an affirmation that you've created um, for each position. You know, again, you can. This can be something that can be added to, uh, and this, for over a couple of days, can become uh, a working meditative altar for you that will help you bring spring. Step into spring. What was it? What do we call it? Spring into actually- life. Spring to life. life. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> That's the
1: one. So just just to give a, a quick recap for people, mm-hmm. yeah. the the items that you would need are um, a candle or multiple mm-hmm. candles, uh, at least perhaps one central candle that is green to represent mm-hmm. spring and new life. Um, for herbs you might choose, and you could do one of these or three of these or a blend of these, but you might choose Narcissus, Hyacinth, Fennel, Rose. Um, For crystals, for air, you could choose from Fluorite, Yellow Jasper, Citrine. For water, Beryl, Blue Lace Agate, or Aqua Aura Quartz. For fire, Carnelian, Garnet, or Tiger's Eye. For earth, Malachite, Hematite, or bloodstone. Uh, For the cards, you're going to remove the majors from the deck. Choose the major that represents your intention or focus that best kind of brings that energy in that uh, you feel is needed to bring into being, bring to life what it is that you're focusing on. And then you can separate out the suits and then you would pull from each suit that corresponds to each element a card for that. So the way we have done it, air would be swords, Fire would be wands, um, uh, cups, water, and pentacles, earth. Um, You could also, if you wanted to, you could just leave all of the miners together as a whole and then just randomly shuffle and choose a card for each direction if you feel comfortable doing that. So you might not get a cups card in the water position. Uh, but it still is telling you how you need to approach this emotionally um, or that kind of thing, but it may be something if you're more comfortable working with the tarot or the oracle that you're using, you can do it that way. Um, And then you will choose a card for each element. Write down an action item. You might put the stone on top of the card as you're doing this. Uh, Write down an action item, and here, the simple version, Come up with an action item that you could do between spring equinox and summer solstice in june or you might leave this out as charlie was saying and come back to it regularly and maybe do an action item for the next month and since let's say the full moon is near spring equinox so then the next full moon you would come back to it and you would write down another action item for the next month so you end up with three action items over the course of three months Uh, you could also make a mojo bag Uh, from some of the items. Um, Again, I might recommend using green cloth. Uh, You could use a green thread or a green string if you wanted to continue the theme there. And then in the mojo bag, you can write down the intention. You can put some of the herbs. You can put the stones. Uh, You could print out the cards and write down the action item on the image of the card that you printed out and put it in the mojo bag to carry with you. Or if you're using essential oils, you could um, dress the bag with the oils and that kind of thing, some of the wax, like Charlie said, from the candle. So those would be the primary steps, the primary aspects that you could do. And we would love to hear if you decide to do this, if you wanted to offer uh, how you did it, how you decided to approach the process, if you wanted to give some uh, ideas as as the process is going along as to how it's working for you. Feel free to do that by popping over to our Facebook page at uh, the Amethyst Oracle and offer that comment, post it there on the page. We would we and everyone that is also on the page would love to hear what others are doing with this process and how it's working for them uh, as well. And if you come up with some other idea or suggestion to add to it. That would be phenomenal to hear as well. So hopefully that gives you a little something to do this spring equinox to help you spring into life something new or that has been gestating for you that you feel is now ready to come into being. And I'll just remind you, if you're listening, that Charlie and I will be offering readings a little later in the show, and you can get into the queue by Skyping in on the show page, or you can call 646-716-5510. And coming up next, after our break, we are going to be joined by Rodney, one of the premier collectors of oracle and tarot decks in America, if not the world. And I think and he particularly specializes in erotic decks, both collecting them and using them. Um, so we're also going to get some insights into how to identify good erotic decks to work with uh, and um, how to work with them and what he does with them and why those in particular appeal to him. So stay tuned. You're listening to the Amethyst Oracle. This is Hoarders, the Tarot episode. <laughs> <And laughs> oh, no.
4: He's a well-curated collection, and so can you with his help. <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> and stay tuned for our conversation with Tarot collector Rodney coming up in just A moment, and we will be right back.
0: You're listening to The Amethyst Oracle, Divination with a Queer Twist, with hosts Hi-C and Charlie Harrington, on Firefly Willows, L-I-V-E. Find out more at Facebook.com slash The Amethyst Oracle. Enjoy the show! Fairly Willows LIVE. We're working hard to be your trusted source for fun and lightning and heart-centered information and community. And we're passionate about the art of transformative media, the new leading edge of communication in our highly connected, media-rich world. If you're passionate about facilitating change and you have gifts or ideas you'd like to share, come join us. Host a show, or be a guest, or connect us to an amazing speaker or teacher whose message is too good to miss. There's always room for courageous, knowledgeable changemakers, inspired artists, and new ideas. Let us know you're interested. Send an email to info at fireflywillows.com. We're Firefly Willows L-I-V-E, helping you find and shine your inner light.
4: Rodney Carter considers himself to be an eternal student of the tarot and has been reading and collecting the cards since 1991 when he first encountered the mythic tarot deck. Since that time, he has amassed a trove of 653 tarot books, 29 oracle books, 276 oracle sets, and a whopping 1,386 tarot decks. While Rodney is an IT professional by day, By night, you can find him moderating the popular Eclectic Tarot Community Forum under the alias R.W. Carter. Please join us in welcoming Rodney to the show. Well, hello, Rodney. Thank you so much for joining us on The Amethyst Oracle. How are you doing this evening?
3: I'm good, and just to give you an update, I'm now up to thirteen hundred and eighty-eight decks.
4: Thirteen hundred and eight. What were the the two that pushed you into that number?
3: Oh, my tarot crack dealer and enabler gave me the secret language of birds Ooh. and the new printing of the ukiyo-e.
4: Oh, very, oh, that's how you print. I, you know, I always said ukiyo, so I'm glad you told me before I embarrassed myself publicly. Yeah,
3: it's four syllables, ukiyo-e. Yeah.
4: So, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. The journey of one thousand three hundred and eighty eight tarot decks must have begun probably with one deck. How did you come to your first tarot deck?
3: Uh, there is a meta- or there is a metaphysical bookstore. It used to be uh in one city it's now moved to a different city, but it was between work and home and I stopped in there probably two or three times and looked over all the decks, and back then, you really only got to see what was on the box. They didn't have store samples back
4: then. Remember those days? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it took me
3: two or three different um, forays into the store, and I finally decided on the mythic because I've always liked Greek mythology.
4: Wonderful. And I think think that's been... That deck has been sort of the gateway drug for a lot of tarot collectors because all of tarot seems so foreign, but they think, okay, I know myths, so maybe I can use that or relate to that
2: mm-hmm.
4: to, uh, to, to dive in. Now, when did you realize that you, 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 your interest in tarot was going to go beyond having a couple of decks that you like to use? How did, how did your journey from reader to collector begin?
3: Well, actually, uh, I blame my ex, whose first deck was <laughs> also the Mythic. <laughs>
4: um,
3: well, from 1991 until 2005, when we met, so 14 years, I had a total of about 140 tarot and oracle decks. Mm-hmm. Then we met in, um, I'm sorry, not 95, 2005, mm-hmm. um, and we met, and he got me back in the eBay and it Ooh. became oh so easy to bid on and buy decks off ebay and so from 2005 till now i've got 10 times as many decks as I
4: had. <laughs> that's true now i know ebay often collectors talk about the big lots that they'll find on ebay and you you've come across some serious gems that way but um for budding collectors, do you have any eBay tips out there to, to get the good stuff?
3: Yeah, well, one thing you have to do is decide what the maximum amount you're going to bid is and stick mm-hmm. with it. Okay. Don't <laughs> get part. suckered into a bidding war in the last mm-hmm. few minutes.
2: Mm-hmm. Just,
3: if you're meant to have it, you're, you will have it, but don't overpay um and a lot of people don't like this but yeah you really do need to wait you either need to bid early leave it alone and they'll go back to it mm. or wait until the last minute and put That's your bid in and again don't get into a bidding war i know mm. that from experience
4: and do you search i mean a lot of times you you can find things because the person doesn't know what they're getting rid of or selling you know you're not you're not buying for yeah. tarot collector so Are there any search tips or tricks for finding that, those sort of diamonds? Um,
3: Earlier in eBay's history, like if Tara was misspelled Tarto, um, (laughs) it wouldn't come up in a search, Mm -hmm. but they realized that people typo things, and they will get most of the typos into your basic search. Oh, okay. Um, What I used to do is I had a defined search on eBay, Mm -hmm. Um, that I went back to every day and I just looked at it every day and I looked at it from the same browser so I would look at the auctions that were going to end in the next 24 hours Mm -hmm. and what was newly listed in the last 24 hours and if you do it every day you're not looking through 200 pages of listings you're only looking through 6 or 7 pages depending on how many you show on a page that's a good
4: tip I I can see that working um When I was watching, there was a great show on sci-fi, Collection Intervention. Um, It wasn't the, so the expert would come in and talk to the person who's had this burgeoning collecting problem and she would help them. One of the big things that she talked about was to not just buy absolutely everything that you see that of of the theme that you're looking for, but to know what it is, like know the shape of your, what your collect, like what your collection is going to become. And I know that that's, True, you don't buy every single deck that you see or, or come across. You are, have sort of particulars. How how can, a, how can a collector sort of help define their growing collection in that way?
3: Well, again, um, much like with bidding on eBay, you have to decide what the maximum is you'll pay for a deck mm-hmm. up front. Because... There's some really expensive, beautiful decks out there, and mm-hmm. I'm talking three-digit three digit expensive. May mm-hmm. be too rich for some people's blood, may not. Mm-hmm. Um, you also need to decide whether you're going to be a completionist. And mm-hmm. that means that's a term I coined where uh, I went through a phase where I had to have every iteration of a deck that came out. For mm-hmm. so, instance, there are three editions of the Alchemical Tarot. I have all Uh, three of them. mm -hmm. Uh, There are sometimes European and U.S. editions of the same deck. The only difference is the box. Mm -hmm. uh, The Wildwood has two different boxes, one for the European market and one for the U.S. market. You have to decide early if you're going to go down that road of madness Mm -hmm. or if you only need one copy of that deck, you can move on to something else.
4: And um, once you have all those additions, I, you've invented a practice that I found a lot of fun, which is the tarot throwdown that you can do. With, can you describe yeah. that a little bit?
2: Um, so
3: you, often with additions, uh, they make changes to card size, card stock. There may be uh, shading differences in the colors. So what I will do is I will, like I actually did with the Ukiyo-e over the weekend, I took the new printing, the original printing, um, I have a second printing, and I have a special edition second printing, and I had all four of those next to each other and was going through the cards one by one comparing them. And with the new Ukiyo-e, I actually like all of the cards better in the new edition except for there was one card and I can't remember what it was now Um, I think I like the I do like the new two of pentacles better because they got rid of Mm -hmm. the Marseille style flourish around the two pentacles Um, I think it was a court card uh, yeah, it was uh, one of the queens. Her gown didn't quite look right in the new printing. But otherwise, I like the new printing better.
4: Mm. There's often sort of substantial difference. I know true collectors, I know one of the big things for you guys is um, you guys. like I have about 100. I'm nowhere near <laughs> where you're at. But uh, I've noticed a big thing among collectors is a uh, country of printing. For a long yes. time, so it might be the the, the uh, U.S. games Rider Wait Yellow Box, but uh, I know what what is the, the Belgian printing is sort of the one of yeah, the big. Yeah, first they were
3: printing. Well, if they were printing in Switzerland for mm-hmm. the uh, Yellow Box. You're thinking the original Rider waite I uh, had a Belgian oh. printing. Um, so Switzerland, Belgium were really good printings. Then they moved to Italy. Italy. Typically was pretty crappy printing, mm-hmm. um, and that 's where most of the hard plastic e overly laminated horrible smelling yellow box um, rider weights came from was Italy and Then they started printing in China, and those are not quite as heavily laminated um, i don 't think they smell as bad. <laughs>
4: Yeah, there really are substantial differences. I know when I've talked about this to people, they think, "Why would you buy more than one copy of the same deck?" And there are substantial differences between printings. I know that older Llewellyn printings um, have better cardstock. <laughs> often, yeah. um, like I, I think my like my original uh, Arthurian Legend, for example, I think has a better the original had a bit like there's thinner cardstock these days. Is there? I'm not just crazy.
3: No, you're not crazy. Um, From Llewellyn, the Gilded, I have both a first edition, second printing. I think I have a first edition, first printing, and a first edition, seventh printing. And just within, between the first and the seventh, the card stock got really bad.
4: Uh, See? (laughs) So it's important to ask these questions. I'm sorry, Tati, what was that?
1: I'm curious, how do you store and catalog this many decks so that you can keep track of what you do have and don't have that you're still looking for and how you can find something that you want to use?
3: I have an Excel spreadsheet that has everything about all the decks that I have that I can think of including um, card dimensions. I use metric. about the mm-hmm. only thing I use metric for. Um, <laughs> Whether strength and justice are 8 or 11, Um, what the court cards are called, what the suits are named. Um, I do a card stock comparison um, with a mid-90s rider weight. Um, I have one, two, three, four bookcases full of tarot decks and books. Uh, two bookcases are seven shelves. One is five, and the other is seven. I have some old uh, CD turnstile type racks that are filled with decks. I have a two, four, six, seven shelf bookcase that's filled with oracles. Um, I have my spreadsheet synced to my iPhone, so that when I'm out and about, I can mm-hmm. look something up. I don't need to have my computer with me. Um,
1: Uh, Have you been to any of the other um, big places, with uh, um, collections? I know I think in Belgium there's like a Tarot Museum uh, and a couple of other places. I have not.
3: I've not done any traveling to anybody else's collection that's bigger than mine. Although there is a woman in England I've been angling for for years be able to see her collection what's, which
4: is what's her number twice at now? as
3: big as mine Why? um <laughs> she is uh over three thousand i believe and close to four mm.
2: wow.
1: and are, are are you are collectors like that are you all in communication with each other or do you just kind of know each other by reputation
2: um or a special club a, little
1: both. a special handshake
2: <laughs> uh, there is
3: special, a special, special there is a tarot collectors form, which I haven't actually been on in a while, um, which is yeah a special community of tarot collectors.
4: And those um, all those headings that you had in your spreadsheet are very useful uh, because so often someone says I'm looking for a deck. Oh, God, I remember that there were like. The Knights were actually, I'm just making the Dukes or something like that, and mm-hmm. do, does anyone know? And you're like, okay, let me search my, <laughs> my spreadsheet. Yeah, and I can do that. Um, so, for, each, for every collection out there, or item that people collect, there's, there, there's the Holy Grail. Maybe for Barbie collectors, it's Barbie 1. What, uh, what for, for tarot collectors are the Holy Grails that people are, are searching for?
3: Uh, I would pretty much say what are known as the PAM decks, PAM A, B, C, and D, which were the early printings of the Rider weight in the early 1900s.
4: Mm-hmm. You happen um, to have. I think you have, I a PAM. have a
3: PAM B and a PAM D. My, my. Um, there are actually two versions of PAM A and a PAM C, so there are five total. I only know of one person who has them all. And she's in the Netherlands, I believe.
4: Oh, nice. I remember when you did a throwdown with, we put out so many versions. This was a a Bay Area terrorist symposium of the, you had the Pam A, the Pam B, and I think a Pam C. Maybe it was B, C, and D. And then we had like a U.S. games, you know. $20 $20 modern printing when it was like yeah. universal weight or something and you could see a dramatic difference. I remember Rachel Pollack was watching and, and doing dramatic readings of weight as you guys were doing it, uh, pointed out that in the earliest versions the the faces are very, they're almost more, almost more blank. They they don't have like a particular emotional yeah. charge to them. And the modern, you know, like the Seven of Swords, for example, in the modern printing, he's very sneaky and he's got kind of a, a leer. That wasn't existing in the Pam ABCD. And yeah. uh,
1: would you so, and go. would you say that those are also probably the most highly priced uh, decks that somebody would find for
3: sale? Um, generally yes, because um, they are very rare. They're hundred years old, um, so they're very rare. Um, Many of them have been thrown away. I know there was an eBay auction a year and a half to two years ago where a PAM A with a letter from um, Ryder & Sons saying you can return the debt because it had poor quality to get what then became the second PAM A went for $6,000. My
4: goodness. I, you know, it's interesting. There's a lot of, especially when you when you collect the older decks, you can find a lot of ephemera. A lot of people used to just take notes on the cards, mm-hmm. of what they meant, and I think that a lot of people really prize those as a because that's that's connecting you to some fortune teller from the past, right? Do you ever have any of the sort of with writing or with with interesting? Um,
3: I have an oracle, um, Normand
4: mm-hmm. from.
3: Uh, late 1800s, early 1900s wow. that has uh, handwriting all over it.
4: Interesting. It's just, mm-hmm. that's very,
3: and I got it as part of a lot of decks I want off of eBay.
4: So there's so many unique, I mean, when people go to get a tarot taro deck, if maybe they go to Barnes & Noble and there's a case and there's like eight decks to choose from or maybe they go to a metaphysical store and there's 30 decks to choose from, but there's a lot of strange, odd, wonderful decks kind of slip under the radar as a collector. Mm-hmm. What What have you seen lately that's available right now, maybe by the Internet or something that people should check out because it's unique?
3: Um, I would easily, hands down, say the Ellis deck, mm. um, which I happened to find at the Bay Area Terror Symposium this past year. Um, he was, actually, I didn't even buy it from him. I bought it from someone who was at the table because he had gone to lunch. Um, okay. And I met the uh, artist later that same day, I believe. And it's wild. It's imaginative. It's not a Rider-Waite clone by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I'm actually at the point where if I see eight wands loading through the sky <laughs> or a heart pierced by three swords oh, or ready to strangle it. somebody.
2: <laughs>
3: um, but he has completely original takes on pretty much all of the cards mm. and there are people and there are anthropomorphic animals and there's black and there's white and there's yellow and there's purple people and it's just a little bit of everything. And Wonderful. I keep pressuring him to finish the companion book, but it's on his get-around-to-someday list.
4: Ah, I see. So the L- and, and that's,
3: that's the L-I-S-T-E-C, okay. Yeah, E L L I S B E C with a capital K. I still don't know why it has a capital K at the end. <laughs>
1: it's a and, and you have a but particular... Yes, oh, go
3: ahead. I was going to say that's uh, readily available from him off his website
1: and you have a particular specialty or special interest in erotic
4: decks yes which we one find of my fascinating mini <laughs> i know you have a bunch of sub-collections, but that's an, a very interesting one because when when did erotic decks emerge in tarot like
3: um that's a good question my oldest one i think is from 1981 do know my favorite one
4: which one's that? Uh,
3: the Garden of Priapus.
4: Oh! <laughs> by America Folky. Otherwise known as the Tarot of a Penis Garden. Um, it's like the, the, the when they it translated into English. Could you describe that deck for, for radio right now? <laughs>
3: uh, lots of naked women doing... I and mean, there's some naked men, too. But it's primarily naked women, because, of course, he's Italian. Mm-hmm. Um, no offense. And they love to draw their naked women. <laughs> yes. Um, doing things you probably wouldn't want your mother to see.
4: That's right. There's, and there's penises and phalluses everywhere in, in every card, as I recall. It was, like, it was the theme. The disembodied penises and Disembodied phalluses. penises largely.
2: <laughs>
3: yes. Like the hold wands suit is penis tipped wands. Mm-hmm.
2: It's well, um,
3: The queen of cups is gingerly balancing herself on a rather large phallus mm-hmm. while she has her other foot balanced on a much larger champagne flute.
4: Mm. And so a lot of the erotic decks that I've seen have been sort of ways to showcase the art of a particular erotic artist. Um, I'm thinking of the Minara, who does artwork of, of uh, lovely, you mostly women, again, Italian. Uh, but sort of erotic scenes, and they sort of picked images from his work that they thought kind of matched up with uh, the, the, a tarot image. Maybe there's a nun on the high priest card or, or, mm-hmm. priest or high priest's card or whatever. Um, or I'm trying to think of other. But so some, some of the erotic art decks came out that way. Uh, but how are they to read with?
3: That's a good question.
4: Because I know you participate in the Red Forum.
3: Yes. Um, The Reading with Erotic Decks exchange, which uh, is kind of monthly, where whoever signs up, we're paired off, and if there's an odd number, those three people, three people are assigned, and they do a round robin. And we read with Erotic Decks on usually mundane questions. They have nothing to do with sex or relationships. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Garden of Priapus is my deck of choice. I usually will give my partner a choice of decks, and if they say, oh, pick whatever you want, I'll go to the Garden of Priapus. (laughs)
4: Let's all go to the Garden of Priapus.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And um, the only way, oh, I can't say the only way, The way in which I get my most successful readings is not to try to apply, quote unquote, traditional tarot meanings to the cards. So Mm. instead of looking at the Queen of Cups, for example, um, and and they all have Italian titles, but the Queen of Cups and trying to apply Mm -hmm. everything I know about the Queen of Cups to that image, I read the image instead. So I don't apply the archetypes or the traditional meanings. I look at the image and let that inform what my interpretation will be.
4: Before that forum existed, I I thought of the uh, the, the, the the more raunchy decks is kind of my fun little like fun to look at every once in a while <laughs> on lonely nights um, or, or to, to go through. But I, I was amazed at the the red form on a eclectic tarot forum. Uh, was making use of it to read, like you know, where should I, what should I do to get a promotion, or how's my vacation going to go? And people are reading with these, these, these jubilant decks now. So on the queer side of things, erotically, there's not a lot. Tarot erotica has maybe the wands suit dedicated to that, but is there anything for the? Ladies who like ladies, or guys who like guys, or
3: um, for the ladies who like ladies, there is the um, femme ziratiek, the so latero de femme ziratiek, or mm. it's got a different name,
2: the bohemian. Um,
3: no, I guess that is it. So mm. it's all um, art, or not art? Uh, postcards and pictures from early twentieth century. Mm-hmm. Um, of naked women. There are no men at all in this deck. And I actually got this at a Bay Area terror symposium a few years ago. So it's late, <laughs> na- late 19th, early 20th century. Um, and like the fool has a naked woman sitting on a bed kind of looking up at the sky. And they have keywords on them or i guess interpretations keywords so begins life's adventure is the term under that card Mm. and um the deck creator said someone told her that you can also use the deck as an oracle which they call the bearded lady oracle so you randomly pick a card and if you see pubic hair, it's a yes, and if you don't see pubic hair, it's a no. <laughs>
2: oh,
4: oh, wonderful. So how, how would nothing...
2: You,
4: hmm? Go ahead.
3: No, I was going to say, there's nothing I know of that is male-centered.
4: Well, there is that's that gay male... There's like that gay male black and white line art that I think there were 75 in, in existence that I... Ah, uh,
3: yeah, that's... Speaking of Holy Grail, that's on my Holy Grail of um, decks, but I don't have that one.
4: Yeah, it's I'm on it's strange that it has I got, I got real close, but it was missing the suit of wands, so I didn't buy it. but <laughs> fool. <laughs> so so so
1: perfect. how would you suggest to somebody to be able to identify an erotic deck that is for lack of a better word, legitimate as a deck versus one that has been purely done for prurient interest and, and titillation factor.
2: Um,
3: well, see, you had to throw titillation in there because I was going to say the, uh, (laughs) company that's doing the most with erotic decks these days is Los Corabio, but Italian company, you have the nubile young women with the large breasts, um,
4: even their non-erotic decks get a lot of flack for that, because yeah. Um,
3: but I mean, the erotic decks, that's where they are. Um, other than that, the only other erotic decks I'm aware of are all self-published. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know of any other major publisher other than Los Carabio who's putting out erotic decks unless they are self-published.
2: Wow. But
1: I don't, and I don't think I, I think people need to realize you can't just dismiss a deck because it's an erotic deck as somehow not legitimate or valid or useful as a reading deck.
4: Mm-hmm. Correct. Although some of them are um, just terrible. Okay, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, <laughs> but there's well,
3: plenty I, of non erotic decks too. Yes, that's true. I have a Russian deck that was done back in the early days of Photoshop. It is really bad Photoshop art, but I've used it for a couple of red exchanges and got pretty good readings out of it, even though it's a really badly done deck.
4: (laughs) Wonderful.
0: Um, Do you have
1: an erotic deck on hand that you could just choose a card from and, and do a reading the way that you do it where you don't really rely on the traditional meaning but just look at the image and so maybe just describe the image and then how you would interpret that image
3: sure of course i have my garden
4: of priapus <laughs> <All right. laughs> never leave home without it right
1: who doesn't have a garden of penises on hand
4: <laughs> yes i bought this deck
3: at a bats it um, happened to be sealed so it was one of the more expensive decks i've purchased And it's, like I said, it's my go-to deck. I I do have some expensive decks that I've bought that I've not used, but this is a working deck. So uh, give me a topic, not necessarily a question, but a topic. Work. Work. Okay. So I've got the Knight of Cups. We have... A naked woman, a naked blonde woman. They're usually, she's kind of strawberry blonde. Um, And she is a straddle, a second naked blonde woman um, who is on all fours as the horse. And she may even have a horse. No, that's her leg. Oh, okay. I've never actually gotten this card before. Um, And the woman on top is leaned back. She's holding up a rather full flute of champagne. And the woman beneath, you can barely see her face, but she looks somewhat content. The woman on top is happy. They're both naked. So for work, it would be looking at the woman on top. Well, I would say it depends on which woman you were in a work situation. Um, if you are part of a team, which this suggests because there are two people in it, you would – if you are the woman on top, you are enjoying life. You are probably not working all that hard. And if you are the woman on the bottom, you are bearing the brunt of the work and likely someone else is taking all the credit, getting all the joy.
2: Which is you know, a very different...
4: Hood.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not your typical Knight of Cups
4: interpretation. Right.
2: <laughs>
4: some day you're the horse, someday day you're the rider. So, yeah. so wonderful. So, no-
1: so, knowing that you were coming on, I thought, I'm just going to look and see what decks I have and just ask you if you think that one or two that I have chosen are in any way, sought-after, valuable. You know, it's kind of like Antiques Roadshow where you bring in your thing and okay. tell you whether
3: it's like... <laughs> sure, I'll you give know. it a try.
1: <laughs> and so I, I chose two of the decks that I have. Um, one is the Marguerite Peterson Tarot, and it's the German version. <laughs> uh, and the other one is the Vertigo Tarot.
3: Okay, for the Marguerite Peterson, is it in the purple box or is it in the beige kind
1: of box yeah it's kind of a purplish burgundy box
3: okay that's the first printing I believe so that is more sought or more quote unquote valuable than the beige-ish cream colored box uh, because that's the first printing Um, but generally I don't think it's all that sought after in terms of uh, cost because it's a little too ethereal, for lack of a better term. Um, Because I wouldn't even say they were moody miners.
1: Um, Oh, no. It's very ethereal.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I, I don't see a lot of people talking about that deck and saying, oh, I wish I could find a copy. Um, The Vertigo, is it the first, second, or third printing? Or uh, rather, yeah, first, second, or third edition.
1: Um, I'd have to go look, but if I remember correctly, I think, like, the copyright on it is from the early 90s.
3: Is it the one in a big box that uh, is like a LP-shaped box? Yeah,
1: it's a large box, and it comes with the deck and then the book by Rachel Pollack that... Is really beautiful okay, that's done. the
3: first edition first printing um so that is more sought after see when I got mine I think I only paid about seventy dollars for mine though
1: when did you get yours? Uh-huh. <laughs> I would have
3: gotten that one three to 5 years ago.
4: So no retiring on this, I see.
3: <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, you'd do better on the stock market than There we go. <laughs> on on the, tarot tarot. Deck.
4: the only one but I just have so is know. Playing.
3: Well, like, I was... with the um, Vertigo, there is now a third edition of it that has been released. So, it's uh-huh. not like they only released one edition and you either have to find that edition or you don't get one.
1: Right,: And just so people know the vertigo Toro is done by Neil Gaiman based on the Sandman series, and then the book was done by Rachel Pollock
3: Lovely. Yes, I, and all three editions of that book are in type print, so small I,
1: yeah <laughs> yes, it's true it's laid out in such interesting I mean it's shaped you know that it's not just straight lines of text it's like. Yeah, but
4: vision. you need a magnifying glass to read it. Oh, no. <laughs> at <least I> do. <laughs> the um, I've noticed. So my I, my oldest deck is a Nap Hall from the 1920s yep. that I'm very very happy with. It's it, but I I cannot bring myself to actually read with that. I kind of just take it out and look at it and just sort of. There's lock a all the new together.
3: edition of that deck.
4: Oh, coming out soon, yes. so I can read with that one. <laughs>
3: yeah, it's actually um already out and. They changed the name of it. It's not called the Knapp Hall anymore. Okay. It is called the Revised New Art
4: Tarot. So I've, not, I've noticed when I... The, the only vintage deck I, I, I bring myself to read with is the... Um, I love the University Press printing of the rider That We did a throwdown once. It was wonderful. <laughs> I just like see the different yeah. printing errors that actually were in every run of the cards. Um, but... I definitely, it feels different. I, I, every once in a while, I, I put on some 70s music. I start reading with my edition, my, my vintage university press, and I, I only allow myself to consult uh, Eden Gray's book from the 1960s on uh, tarot reading. But do you, do you feel different when you get to read with your your more antique
3: items? Um, like, I have not done any readings with my Pam uh B or C mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the Pam B I got is pristine looked like it was never used. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may have been looked at over the years, but the cards look like they've never been shuffled.
2: Mm-hmm. so
3: I will study that deck um, <laughs> wonderful. I will take it out and look at it myself on occasion, but I can't imagine myself shuffling it and actually doing a reading with it Mm. um just because it is such an antique and it's in such great condition my pmd not as in good a condition i probably could do a reading with that one
4: wonderful once you become a collector notice like like, it's something that sorry I i something uh that happens do you find yourself buying or i find myself buying decks that I know I'm not going to necessarily read... Well, the first decks you want to just read with them, you're going to use them all the time, but sometimes you're like, hmm, that's kind of niche. I I don't have... I, I have the first two Luis Royo decks. I should have that. I should get the third one and kind of complete that's it. That's or... completionism. Yes. And like
3: I said, that, that's <laughs> the road. A lot of people need to decide if they want to go down. But no, very... Well, I can't say very early on. From that 2005 point when my collecting started to explode... I very quickly came to the conclusion that I needed to be satisfied with having little collections of 78 pieces of art as
2: Mm -hmm. opposed
3: to tarot decks that I would actually use. So I have a number of decks that are 78 pieces of art, probably never going to read with them. I'm okay with that.
2: Right on. I
1: like it. I I think my closest brush with an antique deck was when I was in Venice Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: we were just walking around and I saw this kind of funky store that had, it had some masks, not surprising in Venice, but had some masks and some other things and went in and it was like this guy that works with wood and there was like wood furniture, but it was all very old craftsman type of furniture and some of it was actually really old and antique and I'm just looking at things and I actually pulled a drawer open of one of the pieces and inside there was something wrapped in cloth and so I kind of <laughs> looked at it and I'm very bold that way, I suppose, but kind of unwrapped it and looked at it, and it was a set of Major Arcana of the Taroki that was carved and painted on wood in like Hmm. these long wood pieces. Um, And it was just a a majors-only kind of thing. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. I, I don't know how to tell if it was something really old or not, but it was...
4: Sorry, I've heard, I've heard of of decks very being, unique. I've heard of decks from the 1700s being made on wood, uh, and so I don't know if it was either a reproduction or the real thing, but did it, did it go in your satchel and away with you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, did, it did not.:
4: Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so, um, Rodney, looking towards the future a bit with so as a collector, you've seen what all of the different the tarot houses, be they Los Corbeo, Llewellyn, U.S games. Uh, in Schiffer, the newest entrant, what they're working on and then also the sort of advent of indie decks on Gamecrafter and Kickstarter. So, what trends... This is kind of a weird futurist. I don't know if they have, you have any thoughts on this, but are, are there any trends you're seeing in the, in the sort of tarot deck world that are emerging? Um,
3: I, I think there will be an upsurge and maybe even a tidal wave of more of the self-produced game crafter kickstarter type decks and we will start to see things that go away from the rider weight structure um, probably even the, away from the Thoth and the Mars we're going to see people starting to reinvent tarot um, bring some of the archetypes into the present Um, like I heard Poppy Palin from the Waking the Wild Spirits working on a new deck that is more current imagery, like her strength card is a woman in a wheelchair. Um, So I think we're going to see more of that coming where people aren't bound by a publisher who has an idea of what tarot should be.
4: Yeah, I feel like Llewellyn has sort of like a house style. of It has to be a Rider-Waite-Smith-based pagan deck, which I happen to love. But, you know, in order for them to come out with it, I haven't seen them do anything else outside of that in so long.
3: Mm -hmm. I think
1: Schiffer is also a really good one to look at for being willing to try some very new or different things.
3: Yes, they are. Oh, speaking of which, uh, it's not quite an erotic deck, but Schiffer's version of um, Chris Butler's The Gay Tarot is the closest thing I can think of to a male erotic deck because there is male nudity throughout the deck, although it's not necessarily meant to be salacious. It's or
4: just even appealing. Or nudism, <laughs> as to uh. and do you think
3: that, I you erotica.
4: And
1: do you think that the advent and the, the growing use and popularity of digital decks like apps and and things like that are going to curb the ability to be a collector to some extent because some things will only appear in digital form?
3: Um, I think that is a possibility. It's not a road I'm going to go down because I'm an old fart. And (laughs) uh, I like my tactile sensation, I don't get that tactile sensation from a digital deck. I want 78 pieces of cardboard with ink and some mm. degree of lamination on it. Um, um, that's just me, though. But I like. I don't have a Kindle. I I want my tarot books to be books. Mm. I want to touch and look through, and if I want to highlight it, I'll highlight it.
4: Wonderful. I remember when uh, the Touchstone Tarot was created. Uh, I'm blanking on her name. Maybe it's Cat Black. Um, mm-hmm. she, she was originally creating it for iPads and the DS at the time and uh, mobile phones. And she had she sort of created it with the intention of never making a deck. And then her her fans kind of revolted <laughs> a little bit and told her she had to come out with a uh, a physical deck for it, which I think came out before the app. Yes. I would be
1: curious if you would see that kind of revolt now because people have gotten much more used to iPads, iPhones, doing things on a screen um, and more comfortable with that interaction of things on a screen now that I wonder if there would be that much of a revolt if somebody decided to do a digital-only deck.
3: No, uh, there are can't think of one off the top of my head but i know there are a number of people who will buy the app version of a deck for 2.99 or 5.99 which is a lot cheaper than buying the physical version um and take that for a test drive and do i really like the images Mm -hmm. well if i only paid 99 cents for it and i don't like the image whatever i'll get rid of the app i didn't spend 20 dollars um, on a deck or even 40 or $60 on a deck that I then don't like. Right. So um, it's a good way to test the waters with a deck. But again, like I said, I like my tactile sensations. So I want my deck, I want to be able to shuffle it and I um, riffle and bridge. I don't actually bridge the um, Priapo but that's the only deck I don't bridge. But I do riffle it. It still looks new.
1: So as we near the end of our conversation here, um, I wanted to ask about something. I wanted to, before doing that, just make sure that Charlie didn't have anything else that he wanted to uh, ask about before going into that. Did you have anything oh, else have, you want to ask?
4: I did have one last thing. So as a collector, Rodney, with certain publishers or creators creating special editions or grand editions of decks, mm-hmm. like Chira Marchetti or Magic Realist Press, do you as a collector love that because it gives you something else, something that's a bonus? Or what do you think of that? And it's getting some flack, but I, I'm, I'm, I, could, I, don't know, I could go either way on it.
3: Um, it depends. Like, uh, Sir Marchetti's, uh, Gilded Tarot Royale, he went full circle. He went back to the beginning, took a deck that's really popular, and, in my opinion, made it that much better because in 10 plus years, his skills had developed as much as his knowledge of tarot had developed. So, the Gilded Tarot Royale, is what the gilded should have been so uh why llewellyn decided they didn't want a piece of that that's okay but i have a copy it's a great deck um i do have gold and silver versions of magic realist press decks i i have used my um silver bohemian gothic i don't know that i actually know i haven't used any of the cat decks um that came out in gold and uh, they did one other gold deck um that i'm blanking on right now oh the victorian romantic um i bought that one used because it had already come and gone by the time actually no i think it came out right as i discovered eclectic and I wasn't paying attention to that yet. So there's a place for them. They have special uses. Um, I actually used my um, silver Bohemian Gothic. I didn't treat it as a collectible. Wonderful.
1: So So on a Tarot theme, but very different. Um, I'm going to play something for everyone to hear. And then Uh, I would like for you to explain how it is that what we're listening to is actually your name. Okay. So so first, we're going to listen to your name. explain how it is that that musical correspondence is actually your name in music
3: yeah so mary greer um, wrote a book back in the late 80s called tarot constellation and she has actually updated it and reissued it as who are you in the tarot and one section of the book tells you how to associate the letters of your name not only with the major arcana but also with musical notes. And so I did that and I had tarot constellations for 20 plus years before I actually delved deep into the book. And um, so I did the letter to musical note association and then a friend of mine is actually a musician. So I had him create that file um, that he played it at two different speeds, I believe. So Ah. that is my entire name as musical notes that have a tarot connection because each letter is associated with the major arcana and with a musical note.
1: So any tarot enthusiasts out there, if you want your own personal theme song that is unique to you, get Mary Greer's book find those musical note correspondences and then get to playing. Get to playing.
4: Thank you.
1: Well, well, Rodney, we want to say thank you very, very much for taking time to share your collection with us.
3: You're Uh, both quite welcome.
4: (laughs) So uh, all, all the budding collectors out there can take this to heart and sort of shape their large cumbersome completionist expensive
3: (laughs) yes and the other thing when you get to a point where you've got a lot of decks storage
2: storage take
3: things that you can use in other ways like i said i have old cd turn style racks Mm -hmm. they hold decks very nicely right on
4: so it's a diy (laughs) solution (laughs) Thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate it. And I hope to visit your collection again soon.
3: You're always welcome. So are you, Heidi.
4: Thank you very much.
1: And stay tuned because coming up we will be having our Living the Queer Life segment and we will be right back with that after this break.
2: Bye. Collecting sunlight
0: listening to The Amethyst Oracle, Divination with a Queer Twist, with hosts Hi-C and Charlie Harrington on Firefly Willows, L-I-V-E. Find out more at facebook.com slash The Amethyst Oracle. Enjoy the show!
2: Uh. Open up my boxes One by one I'm collecting some
1: historical with myself, Hi-C, and my co-host, Charlie Harrington. Hi there. And, hello. And we have reached the point in our show where we do our monthly Living the Queer Life segment, where Charlie and I each draw a card to see how we can best fulfill and let our queer light shine. Uh, and so... Well, when I was pulling my card, my thought for this particular month, tying into our first segment with the spring magic, um, was to see what is it or how is it that we need to be springing or bringing to life at this time of year during this particular month um, in order to allow our queer self our self that is our true self rather than the one that tries to conform to who we think we're supposed to be or who we're told to be during this time. So I have my card. Charlie, do you have your card prepared?
4: I, I wondered who we should be at this time, and I pulled it. Since I've used, the, used the, the very hunky Gods and Titans deck before, I decided to go for the Goddesses and Sirens. It's all lady companion deck. So I see.
1: Well, I will tell you that the card that came up for me is the reversed Hierophant card. And so, you know, to me, this is like saying in our own personal way, it's time for our Arab Spring on a personal level because the reversed Hierophant card is asking us for... Something new and revolutionary to overthrow the old systems, to um, chuck out into the the cold, if you will the the old power, the old ways, and to be willing to start doing things, seeing ourselves and approaching our life in a new and very revolutionary way it may cause a little bit of chaos and anarchy in ourselves in terms of our own self-definition and our approach to life it may cause a bit of chaos and anarchy in our lives as we start to do that because we may see things get shaken out shaken up things fall away that aren't able to accept or deal with our lack of conformity to who we've been because that's what they have gotten used to and that's what they know how to work with or they know how to get you to work within what they need. And this is a time to stop trying to live according to that, to be that, please those other people, versus to start overthrowing your old self-definition and to start finding a new way to be in the world, which may seem revolutionary to you, which may seem revolutionary to other people and other things around you. And if they can't accept it, then it's time for you to surround yourself with the new and create a new system and a new structure that reflects, represents, and supports that new you rather than expecting to work within the system, so to speak, and find a way to get them to accept and allow you to be who you want to be. You don't need anyone else's permission anymore. So it's time to give life. It's time to birth that new you. So
4: I Charlie. love it. I, I, whenever I get that hierophant reversed, it's sort of be your own boss. It's, it's, you know, it tells me that your 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 vision and your version is as good as anyone else's at this time. When I when I see that card reversed, so from the 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 card from the goddesses and sirens really goes nicely with that. The, the card is Andromache, which when I looked at it, I thought this doesn't look like Andromache. Um, she is wielding a golden bow and she's fitting an arrow to it, uh, and she's crying out sort of a war cry. And I, I was thinking, like, and- Andromache was the wife of Hector. She stayed in town. She got conquered. They shipped her off with we some guy. Her kid was killed. How is this Andromache? And I read the uh, description. Andromache, the name originally was the name of an Amazon queen. Um, her <laughs> name means uh, either manfighter or subduer of men. And um just for the purposes of this this reading, we're 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 interpreting that men to be uh the patriarchy or sort of over culture. Because in ancient Greece the Amazons, um, to the best of our knowledge, were sort of mythically representing these this sort of a society living apart from what was the norm, which was sort of male controlled and the description um uh of and drama key that the deck provides is about um, healthy fierceness. So I, you know, remember when it was like the, sort of the Spice Girls era and everything was fierce <laughs> at the time. But <laughs> it's that a healthy sense of self and being bold and willing to stand up. And it's sort of like the lean in card, if you will. Um, it's not the card of being a bitch. Um, some people don't know how to like. Not that that's always a problem, but it's it's. It's not saying just just be antagonistic towards people. It's not that kind of fierce where everything anyone says needs to be attacked. But it's standing up for yourself. Uh Andromache in her myth is uh fights off Heracles, which is no small task. <laughs> and uh so and she had women generals. So to me this is like it's reminding me lean in to use that that phrase that everyone's using right now. But also, um, and to pair it with your card, um, the, the, the inverted hierophant, it's the older system, the, the sort of appointed way of doing things isn't serving anymore, and we're seeing that more and more in our world and in the, hopefully in ourselves, that it, uh, you can flip the script, as they say, or break the mold or, and just be uniquely real about yourself and that um, when you can do that without shame and even a bit of bravado, it's wonderful and healthy and uh, it it, it, it can be a very satisfying feeling. So find your Amazonian war cry, you know, find your your inner uh, Linda Carter and uh, conquer the patriarchy one day at a time.
1: Well, and I think that they do go together very well because reversing the Hierophant is very much overthrowing the patriarchy because the patriarchy is the system and the structure Mm -hmm. within which our society and basically Western society at least, um, if not more than just Western society, kind of lives under and has for a long Mm -hmm. time. Um, And I think that, you know, and what you said I think is very important as well, that that's not the, the bitch card. and standing up for yourself is very different than Mm -hmm. being aggressive towards someone else. And it makes me think of in in the patriarchy, especially from certain religious traditions, you have this idea that women are supposed to be submissive. And when, when, when a woman chooses not to be submissive, it doesn't mean that she's being a bitch or she's being aggressive. It just means she's saying, I'm not going to be less than and I'm not going to live in the shadow of. I'm mm-hmm. going to simply be myself. And so this, like you said, seems your card seems to be the war cry for us to mm-hmm. be willing to do that. And I think that the reversed Hierophant card mm-hmm. says that, well, when you talk about like what's going on in the world, I think the world has given us a very good um, broad vision of what that looks like in terms of mm-hmm. overthrowing the old, power structures and the old way of doing things and that those aren't working anymore and to not back down just because it doesn't change Mm -hmm. overnight or because the old power structure, which could also be a habit that we have or a Mm -hmm. pattern that we fall into, you know, just because the old thing isn't able to be overcome in one night doesn't mean that we give up and think, well, Mm -hmm. that's just the way things are. You know, we've seen the example and we've been given the blueprint of what it's like to be fearless in the face of fear. And so it's time for us to be willing to do that in ourselves and in our own lives. Fearless in the face of fear, meaning not to be afraid of, well, we may have the fear of being judged, of being not accepted, but to be fearless and to become who we know we want, need, or should be instead of backing down because of that fear or because we get judged or a critical remark aimed at us once mm-hmm. that we suddenly say, oh, well, people haven't accepted the new me, so I better back off and just try to, you know, lay low and kind of be what they expect me to to be
4: right now. Yeah, and I think that tapping into the the mythical archetype of the Amazon is a powerful way to experience that, that energy to kind of... Give yourself the vessel that you can fill up with yourself, if I'm making any sense. Um, like, uh, the Amazon has always been sort of embraced uh, by women who are empowering themselves. I'm thinking, I, I, I definitely think of, you know, the queer women's movement of the 70s, 80s, um, embraced the, both the Amazon uh, archetypally, but also the, the symbol of the labrys which was uh, an axe. It's a double-headed axe, which means it, it's an axe that's symmetrical. Um, there's a blade on each side, and that was a powerful symbol of women's liberation, and especially queer women's liberation, um, and spirituality. For a long time, it comes from the ancient Minoan culture, which sort of predates what we, know, what we think of as more like the patriarchal Greece. And I think it's a resonant image uh, with... Uh, of the strong woman um, and not the sort of strong woman from a male gaze or patriarchal point of view which is more of like the femme fatale who's fun too but it's uh, so a wonder woman you know as an iconic like, the Amazon uh, character or Xena has sort of Amazonian qualities and I think that's why those characters really resonated with culture of like the empowered woman I would even say Buffy especially in the um, to geek out for a little bit in the later seasons where she overthrows <laughs> the very patriarchal system that she belonged to and became her own woman and also empowered other women around her. Um, and, you know, you know, sort of anyone, male or female, I think, can embrace that Amazonian spirit.
1: Well, and, and I think that it speaks to something you also said, that that idea of the, the mythical Amazon uh, woman kind of living outside of, or set apart from the norm or the, the, the majority over-culture, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, and that, that it may be time for us to be willing to accept being that, either to step outside of and away from the world, mm-hmm. the culture, the people that we are used to being in but may be holding us back from being our true self, but also mm-hmm. to know that that may mean we won't feel like we fit in To the larger society and that we have, like from a, you know, a lot of times you hear with in the gay world of people where you have the the family you choose versus the Mm -hmm. family you're born into. And at that point, you've kind of come to the acceptance that I'm not going to fit into my blood family, but I'm okay with being outside of that and then choosing to create the kind of family environment, etc., that I do fit into, even if that means that I'll never be a part of my birth family, which is more what the culture would say we need to be in order to be happy or what it's supposed to be or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that that may be what's springing to life right now or, or what is trying to kind of be birthed within us is the acceptance of who we are and the willingness to not have to fit in necessarily to the larger society or the larger group or simply the group we've been a part of if that means that we are sacrificing, diluting, or losing a part or all of ourselves in the process.
4: Definitely. So that <laughs> take it to the streets, kids. <laughs> Try that, be that (laughs) this spring. Maybe if any of that appealed to you, um, include it with your mandala exercise or add some of that in. Um, Well, yeah, because I think
1: that, is it, say the name again, is it Andromica?
4: Andromache? And drama key because that Androma. would be
1: a great image or card to look up and to print out because you could even use that that would be a great image to use even as the central mm-hmm. card or the central image in the
4: mandala. What's um, funny is she's holding this bow and arrow and screaming and it just reminds me of Katniss from <laughs> the Hunger Games. Oh yeah, that sort of I think that's she another good example. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's another good example of that you know strong female character that you know, challenges the system, especially a patriarchy uh, is willing to step outside of it and not try to conform or fit in no matter how much or they they try to force her or how much they threaten, you know, that she's willing to do that. So I think that's a great, very current, very modern example of that.
4: Um, May the odds be ever in your favor this spring.
1: (laughs) And don't wait on nor rely on others to create those odds for you, but instead create your own odds. So, I think that's going to bring us to the close of our show, Charlie.
4: Well, it's been a real slice. It has. I'm going to to go set up my mandala and I'll post a picture of it on our Facebook page and people can uh, congratulate me when I do that.
1: (laughs) And I would (laughs) encourage anyone... And again, if anyone does do that, if anyone has thoughts on the cards that we've pulled for the Queer Life segment, or if you've pulled your own, um, we would more than welcome you to come to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Amethystorical, and share your insights, share your thoughts, share what card came up for you, share pictures of your altar or your mandala that you set up. Uh, let us know as you go through the process and over the next couple of months how it's going. Uh, we love to get that feedback, and it's also great for other people to be able to see what other people are doing and to interact in that way as well. So we encourage you to come and engage in the conversation
4: there. And I want to say big thank you to Rodney Carter for joining us. If you yes. wanted to get an erotic reading from Rodney Carter, you can if you're willing to do the exchange. If you go to tarotforum.net, you will find uh, him there as R.W. Carter. And... Um, there are a lot of reading circles that he and other people participate in. So you too can read with erotic decks.
1: And is that red group or that red circle part of that dot net?
4: Yep. dot net. you'll find, um, in their reading circles section, they'll have lots. There's reading with dark decks. There's reading with all kinds of things that sort of like sort of specialty things that people want to practice or people who want to just use the thought deck. If you're, you know, there's a, a lot of different things there. Uh, Whatever it is. And there's a lot of... Beat. So it's a great way to get and give lots of readings and get some practice in. So... And that's where you'll find Rodney. All right. And again,
1: this is the Amethyst Oracle, Divination with a Queer Twist. I'm Hi-C. And you can always reach me if you'd like to ask a question, get a reading. You can always reach me at Hi-C at tarotbyhighc.net or on Facebook. Just look for Tarot by Hi-C which is facebook.com slash I know that's shocking. And if you'd like to get in touch with Charlie, you can do so through the Facebook page, Facebook.com slash the Amethyst Oracle. So thank you everyone for listening and hopefully you will join us next month. We're here every second Tuesday of the month. Uh, you can also find archives of any of our previous shows here on Blog Talk Radio slash firefly willows live under the Firefly Willows live channel or on iTunes just search for fire um, yeah search for Firefly Willows live um, or you can search for the Amethyst Historical and it'll come right up and you can subscribe to the podcast there or you can download previous episodes of our shows as well as any of the other shows that air under Firefly Willows Live and our next show will be on Tuesday April 8th. 8pm Pacific time so we look forward to having you join us here once more at that
2: time goodbye Charlie
4: goodbye hi see bye
0: To the Amethyst Oracle, Divination with a Queer Twist, with hosts Hi-C and Charlie Harrington on Firefly Willows live. Find out more at Facebook.com slash The Oracle. reading can offer you insight, information, enlightenment, and empowerment along your life's path. Hi-C is a professional tarot conversationalist and ritualist with over 10 years' experience. He's available for readings in a variety of formats, including parties and events. To schedule your personal tarot reading, contact Hi-C at tarotbyhic.net or email him at hic at fireflywillows.com.
1: The Amethyst amethyst Oracle. Divination with a Queer Twist. 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 Divination with a Queer Twist. The Amethyst
3: Oracle.
0: Thank you for joining us. This program was brought to you by Firefly Willows LIVE. We hope you enjoyed the show. This is Deb Caracella. Please join us next time on Firefly Willows LIVE. For Convergence with John Caracella, Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m.